VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, and a special thanks to all of you, all so many great listeners. So faithful you are, but you know what you're doing? Remember, every one of you are helping me in this civil rights effort for quality of life for Americans with disabilities. And it is my great honor to have today the President and CEO of the United Spinal Association as our guest, who is another champion out there working for quality of life for people with disabilities, Mr. Paul Tobin. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. I really appreciate it. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And, Paul, uh, before we begin, just for our listeners throughout the world, can you begin by telling us and telling them why you decided to become an advocate in the disability community? Well, it's actually kind of a funny story in that I stumbled into be- into becoming a disability advocate. Um, I was a, an engineer with the United States Navy um, when I was personally injured, uh, sustained a spinal cord injury about 13 years ago, and uh, my life took a dramatic change as every person's life with a disability and incur- uh, a uh, a a disability that comes on later in life. And, um, you know, I had to learn to adjust to my new set of circumstances, and I looked at uh, my chances and what my opportunities were. And uh, I was very fortunate to have had United Spinal Association and then Eastern Paralyzed Veterans Association at my side to help me make the transition from being, uh, you know, an able-bodied engineer in the U.S. Navy to becoming uh, somebody who has devoted their lives to helping people with disabilities make maximize their independence. And, and so you mean through working with them, that's what got you interested in being an advocate? Well, it was my own personal, my personal experience has made me want to give something back. Um, having incurred a disability, understanding the, the full ramifications of what that disability meant in terms of employment and housing and transportation, um, I saw that there was an opportunity to take the education that I had and the skills that I had and uh, to try and help out uh, people, myself included, uh, who have disabilities and to make sure that every opportunity is available to them. Um, that uh, that personal drive in conjunction with the organization that uh, I started off as a, as a member of, uh, United Spinal Association, really helped me to, uh, to frame um, my role as an advocate. But that just shows you why when you meet someone with a disability and you are a service provider and you do impress them and do a good job by helping them, look what can happen. Look at the impact you can have on them. Oh, I absolutely believe that uh, that I would not be where I am today had it not been for the people who stood. I'm standing on their shoulders today. Um, they people who've opened up the idea of people with disabilities returning to work, to being uh, having accessible transportation, to getting out into the into the uh, society and, and making sure that um, certainly the disability has an impact on life, but it doesn't become the the ending of life. Well, that's for sure. Well, Paul, how about this? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the mission and the size of the United Spinal Association? Because 
there are so many national organizations and state and local that sometimes people don't realize, you know, that there are so many groups out there leading national groups that can really help them. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about your group? Certainly. Well, the United Spinal Association was founded in 1946, and its mission is to help provide an expertise to create access to resources and to strengthen hope for people with spinal cord injury and disease. Um, Our mission is one of care and cure. Um, We certainly support a cure for spinal cord injury, but our primary mission is more around care, making sure that every member of the United Spinal Association has, and every person with a disability has the potential to fulfill their role as an active member of society. Um, We're a nonprofit 501c3 um, incorporated in the state of New York. We have been around for 60 years, although for the first 57 of those years, we were primarily a regional organization housed in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Three years ago, we opened up our membership, and it has since grown to about 8,000 individuals with spinal cord injury and disease, Um, and it is open to any person, uh, man, woman, or child, um, nationwide, any person who has any sort of spinal impairment, spinal cord impairment. And, um, and and you are all across the United States. How many states are you in? We have members in all 50 states at this point. All 50 states. So if someone wanted to find you, how would they do that? The easiest way to uh, to join or to find out more about United Spinal Association is through our website. That's at www.unitedspinal.org. Um, that's the uh, the easiest way to join. Membership in United Spinal Association is free. Um, and um, we provide different sort of uh, services to our members, including some counseling on benefits, either through Social Security or through the VA. Um, we do some referrals around health care services. We have an assistive technology website for anybody who has to um, utilize a wheelchair and wants an end user's perspective on the wheelchairs that are available to them. Um, that site is located at www.usatechguide.org. Um, and we provide a, va- a vast array of other services, including sports and recreation and health benefits information. So we really we try and take anything that impacts the quality of life and make sure that people have quality information that will allow them to uh, to get on with their lives. Well, that is uh, certainly what you need to do when you acquire a disability, even if it's later in your life, is realize that life is not over. You can still do so many things. I can't uh, can't agree with you more. Um, When I was first injured, I have to tell you that I I initially thought that that all was lost. I was 23 years old and sustained a cervical C4-5 spinal cord injury, and at first I have to tell you that I didn't see much hope. I didn't see much light. Um, Organization, uh, United Spinal Association came to me, um, gave me some information, helped me get my veterans' benefits, helped me uh, navigate the systems and, and really let me know through the availability of peers and seeing that other people were living with a disability and being successful and happy and making, the in, making a disability an incidental part of life instead of the, the focus on life. And uh, that has really been, um, that's really what has driven me to, uh, to stay in, at uh, United Spinal Association to remain active. Um, it's what I hope that uh, we can continue to do for other people with disabilities is to let them have that uh, that ray of hope. Not uh, we don't provide the hope, but we certainly are there to strengthen it. Um, we're there. You know, you need that internal strength. You need family and friends to help get you along. 
but uh, when you're looking for the resources, we're there to help provide the uh, the quality resources that our people will need. Well, you know what? Uh, we have questions here from our listeners, but here's one from Linda in Delaware that sort of goes along with what you're talking about right now, and it is, uh, first of all, Mr. Tobin, congratulations on the work you're doing, but my question leads to the fact that so many people who have acquired a spinal cord injury do not seem to be as successful as you are in being able to turn their life around and become a leader in the United States for people with disabilities. Instead, many of those same people don't even want to live any longer and go into a very long state of depression. My question, what did you do that enabled you to go the right way? Well, I have to tell you that... um... Every person, and it's completely natural to to fight those feelings of depression. I think that every person, um, heck, I think every everybody, regardless of a disability, has their bouts with depression one time or another. Um, certainly, following an acquired injury like spinal cord injury, those those depressions can become much greater. Um, I think it's important that people um, seek counseling for uh, for when they have depression. Um, or I also find that the help of a peer network, having people that have been in the same situation that you're in, um, just knowing that, that there are people out there who have made it, those sort of role models really do provide those the examples that I found very useful. Um, and I hope that, 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 uh, that we can provide those role models in the future for other people so that they can help to look past their immediate situation, look to the goals that they, uh, that they want to set for themselves, um, and then try and help them achieve those goals. I think it's important that people um, really take take stock of the things that they have. Um, you know, for me, my strength, a lot of my strength came from family and friends. Uh, they stood by me through my injury when, quite frankly, I was not the nicest person to be around. And um, they kind of, through some tough love and through a lot of support, they said, you know, this is not the way that... Uh, that we envision you uh, you living your life, and we can help you if you're willing to help, if you're willing to get help. And um, that would be in general. I would say that the best way to deal with the depression is to, to work with family and friends, to work with uh, mental health counselors if those are available to you, and to work with peers to really realize exactly what it is that you'd like to do, and then to uh, work toward achieving those goals. Um, they, they can be as simple as starting off volunteering to help others. Um, it doesn't even have to have anything to do with spinal cord injury. Um, I think that volunteerism is a very good way for people with disabilities to get out there to see people and to make an impact on other people's lives, and you'll find that that helps with your own. Oh, absolutely. I think that is such great advice. I really do, because when you give back, when you give back and you get involved, it's amazing how different everything starts to look. It really does. And, and the thing Paul just mentioned about getting involved in the community, you know, once you get involved in this disability community and you get to know so many people across the board, you know, with various disabilities, it, you realize that you are a group of people that also have civil rights and it's amazing how it's, it's, it helps you so much. Don't you think, Paul? Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that you get strength by helping others. Yes. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we come back from break. Right now, we're going to break. Our guest today, if you just joined us, is Paul Tobin, President and CEO of United Spinal Association. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability 
does matter on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't you go away. VoiceAmerica.com, your news talk information radio network. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Hosting Commander in Change, Empowerment Coach, and International Speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. Our guest today is Paul Tobin, the President and CEO of United Spinal Association, who I had the great privilege of meeting at Merrill Lynch last October when we were both there for a presentation. And then, of course, I've seen him since then. That's what I was talking about, this disability community. Boy, once you're in it, then you really meet so many wonderful, wonderful people. You really do. And Paul is just one of the people that I've met who is working so hard across the United States to help people with spinal cord injuries realize that life may be different But life goes on and life can be better if you get involved with the right group. Paul, if someone wants to make a donation to United Spinal Association, how do they do that? Well, donations can be received online at www.unitedspinal.org. We take credit cards, of course, as every other uh, organization does nowadays. 
Um, but we can certainly have, uh, we, there's also a phone number on the website um, that people can refer to if they'd like to uh, speak to somebody about making a, a larger donation or would like to have information about making a donation other than a credit card. And what is that website? One more time. www.unitedspinal.org. Unitedspinal.org. Remember, remember, we all spend money sometimes on things that, you know, are frivolous. And I don't care how much it is. I don't care if it's $1, $10,000. I don't care what it is. That donation to United Spinal Association can help them help others. Don't forget about it. Paul, I know you, you – I, I can tell when you go to this website, oh, my goodness, you do so much – in so many areas at your group. But I wanted to ask you, what do you do in the area of advocacy? Well, United Spinal has a legacy of, of, uh, of advocacy for people with disabilities. We started shortly after World War II um, with around veterans housing, um, and we've continued that legacy right on through today. Um, we have about 60 years, obviously, of experience with uh, numerous advocacy efforts around housing, employment, transportation. Um, we helped advocate and drafted portions of the, uh, the Americans with Disability Act. Our general counsel, Jim Weissman, has been instrumental in transportation provisions of the ADA, as well as helping things like New York City make its bus, bus and subways accessible, and that became a model for the, for the nation. Um, we helped with the Fair Housing Amendments Act, the Air Carrier Access Act, numerous VA benefits for veterans with spinal cord injuries and spinal cord disabilities, um, as well as a new insurance program that we've helped work with other organizations on so that uh, returning service members from Iraq and Afghanistan have a, uh, an insurance program where they can buy in, essentially, um, for disability insurance and have a bolus of money when they first come back prior to them getting prior to their receiving their full VA benefits. So we have tried over the course of our 60 years of history to really take a look at those items that are impacting the quality of life and to try and advocate for changes um, so that all people with disabilities have the opportunity to, uh, to maximize their independence and their social integration. Well, you know, I know, I know you have a superstar with you because you have Jim Weissman. Indeed, we do. Jim is. Uh, Who you mentioned earlier, he is just fantastic. I've known him for years, and um, I mean, he is just a really tremendous individual. Yeah, Jim is. Fighting uh, the fight. Jim is uh, one of those special people that uh, is probably one of the unsung heroes of the uh, of the disability community. Uh, he's well known within certain circles, but by, by and large, most people with disabilities don't know who he is. But he has made a tremendous impact on the quality of life of individuals with disabilities by advocating for their civil rights. Um, he's been an attorney with the uh, United Spinal Association for uh, going on 25 or 30 years now. And uh, he started the fight with the uh, Metropolitan Transportation Authority, the MTA in New York City, to make buses accessible. And he's been fighting the good fight for people with disabilities ever since. So we're very fortunate to have Jim on our staff as uh, as general counsel. And uh, he's somebody that, uh, quite frankly, has made an, an indirect impact on my life uh, just by making sure that there are curb cuts in, in places that we need them, that there are... Uh, 
that transportation is accessible, uh, that buildings and public facilities are accessible, and uh, many of those uh, accomplishments would not be were it not for the efforts of Jim Wiseman. So. Agreed. He's got one. He here's another individual that really gets it and has the passion. So you know, I I I know you have really good people working there. Just knowing that that Jim is involved, and you you have so many people involved with that group that are really putting a lot of time and effort into trying to bring quality of life for everyone. Now you talked a little bit about the advocacy, and really you've done a lot with all the things you just mentioned that you were involved in. But I also know you do a tremendous amount of work in the area of research. Would you mind going over that a little bit with our listeners? No, that's certainly. Um, United Spinal Association, through its donations that it receives from the public, has turned that money around and, and supported um, research and education efforts for people with spinal cord injuries and disorders uh, to the tune of about $52 million. Um, we've launched two of the most prominent research facilities in the nation on spinal cord injury and spinal cord disorders. Uh, one of those is the Yale University, is the Neuroscience and Regeneration Center at Yale University, and the other is at uh, the James J. Peters VA Medical Center in the Bronx, New York, um, and that's the Spinal Cord Damage Research Center. So those are two very prominent research facilities that uh, that we helped establish and continue to support. Uh, James J. Peters VA Medical Center, incidentally, is named after the executive director of of United Spinal Association, who passed away a few years ago. Jim Peters, but Jim Peters was a uh, a true legend within the spinal cord injury community in terms of making um, programs and services available to people with spinal cord injury. Um, back to your question on research and education, we offer trainings and lectures and seminars. We host the largest seminar in the na- in the nation on um, spinal cord injury and spinal cord medicine rehab and care. Um, that'll be held at this uh, this August in Orlando, Florida. Um, that research and education seminar will have, for the first time, a consumer track, which will allow people with spinal cord injury and spinal cord disorders to meet with the premier researchers in the country uh, on a variety of issues uh, that directly affect consumers with disabilities. So we've been doing a lot of different things over the course of our history to both support research and education um, for both the cure and the care of people with spinal cord injury. You know what, Paul? And I'm sure you run into this, but what do you what do you do when you meet people from the disability community that are anti the cure? Do you know what I mean by that? People uh, that I, feel I, like it's insulting to I, them. I, I do understand that there are people who have that uh, that perspective. Um, quite frankly, I've been injured now for 13 years, and I don't expect that the cure quote unquote will ever come. That I will ever be walking or dancing the way uh, I did before my injury. That's not really the point. The point of cure, in my opinion, is to make sure that the secondary complications that are inherent with spinal cord injury and disorders are mitigated, um, that that people who have learned to live with their spinal uh, cord injury, people who are comfortable um, with where they are, and uh, I'm proud to say I am one of those people at this point, I'm comfortable with my injury, not that uh, I would have wished it. I wouldn't have sought this, uh, sought it if I had had the opportunity to change it. But now, after 13 years of being injured, um, quite frankly, it's just something else that uh, that I deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, 
people have feelings, very strong feelings, about whether or not money should be spent on care or on cure. I see no reason why we can't pursue both, um, as long as one doesn't go completely at the expense of the other. Um, we provide a lot of money and a lot of effort toward care-type initiatives, um, because I think that, quite frankly, until the day that the cure comes, and we've been waiting, people in my organization have been waiting for 60 years, um, we've improved countless lives by making sure that people have the resources and access to those things that they need to, to get on with their lives and to make sure that they're full, active, and uh, members of their community. Um, I don't think that one thing has to happen at the expense of the other. Well, the other thing is that you make a point of emphasizing uh, not just monies for a cure or, as you say, help with secondary problems, but you do emphasize every time you speak uh, about the care. And I think that is really good that you do that because I have epilepsy. Of course, we all know one seizure is too many. Mm-hmm. So hopefully someday, you know, there will be a cure. We know children that have hundreds of seizures a day. It's terrible. But on the other hand, I don't see that happening overnight. So while we are living, we have to have quality of life and, you know, transportation and housing and employment and all these things, and that's what I think that you're stressing at your organization. That's absolutely true. I mean, we, we've we looked at, uh, at our own personal situations and born on those personal experiences, we've, conduct, we've formed programs to uh, help correct the, the problems that we saw that we've seen um, when mem- when the four the founders of our organization were injured you know, the, the the expectation was that you would live in a hospital until you died um, and that was just something that they absolutely refused to uh, to accept uh, they demanded that uh, that they be allowed to re-enter the society that they had gone to Europe and into the Pacific uh, islands to fight for during World War II and um, we've been holding on to that uh, that legacy of advocacy ever since. We just refuse to just go quietly into the night, um, and we demand that we be active parts of uh, of the community. So that's uh, absolutely essential in as an advocacy organization to understand that the cure or the care, both pieces of that, are absolutely consistent with that feeling. And you know, along that line, I know we'll be going to break in a couple of minutes, but I want to say. Right now, we still have this tragically high unemployment rate for Americans with significant disabilities. Right now, people with disabilities still fight in different cities just to find housing or transportation. Right now, there are still issues going on with Medicaid and Medicare. So, you know, here's what I have to say. We have to get it together. I mean, we can't spend our time sometimes fighting inwardly we, we need to be united. That is the greatest thing that Justin Dart Jr. could do. Forgetting about the fighting, let's work together for a common goal, you, you know. And if there's anything I could do in my lifetime, I wish I could somehow replicate mm-hmm. that ability and that skill that he had. Because, boy, if we were united, would we be powerful or what? Oh, I think that the, when the community as a whole disability community puts aside their differences and focuses on a common goal that people would really start to realize exactly what impact we can have 
Um, it's only through the collaboration of organizations. You know, you don't have to agree on everything, but as long as you can chip away at uh, at these barriers one at a time, um, the whole lit community advances. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and we would be such a powerful voice. And may I say, that's why this year we want our voice to be heard with the presidential candidates. They weren't last year by either one. So that's why I tell people, I don't care if you vote Republican or Democrat, I just care that you vote. Same thing here. You may have differences, but we've got to work together on a common goal. And we'll talk more about that when we come back with our guest today, Paul Tobin, President and CEO of United Spinal Association. You're listening to Joyce Bender. Disability Matters on VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. From our home to your speakers, VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And if you just joined us, our guest today is Paul Tobin, the President and CEO of the United Spinal Association. And you know, we were talking at break, and right before we went to break, how important it is for us to work together. I just want to stress to you, remember, together we can be a giant. If we don't work together, we have no power. We've got to learn to work together. So, you know, if, as I said, if there's one thing I learned from Justin Dart, that is probably one of the greatest things he was able to do. Hey, Paul, question for you. 
what happens if a person who uses a wheelchair is unable to get a new chair? In other words, their chair is uh, outdated or mm-hmm. broken or uh, just not appropriate any longer. Are you able to help them with this, and does that apply to children? Uh, well, we are able to help uh, some individuals. We don't have the resources to provide um, wheelchairs directly to individuals, but we work with programs, whatever programs people are eligible for. So if they're eligible with Medicare or Medicaid, um, we're currently fighting with uh, Medicare um, to lift the in-the-home restriction, which is a large, is a huge impediment for people who need powered mobility devices. Um, we also have a wheelchair medic program, which is a program of our own, um, where we offer some discounts on parts and purchase of wheelchairs to United Spinal Association members. So we've got a, a few different programs, and we certainly work within the Department of Veterans Affairs for any person who's a veteran to make sure that they're able to get the, the proper wheelchair. You know, it's a shame that uh, that wheelchairs are as, as expensive as they are, and uh, People truly don't understand, people who don't utilize a wheelchair don't truly understand the uh, the necessity and the impact of having the right wheelchair um, for them, that it has to be properly fitted, um, and that with the right wheelchair, people's independence is, is expands exponentially, um, whereas if they're confined to the wrong chair, if they utilize the wrong chair, they're so much more prone to secondary conditions and health complications and things that will limit them to uh, to a degree that uh, it's it's a true it's a crying shame. So it, it really is. It, it is terrible. I want to talk just for a moment about that fight you have going on with Medicare. Yes. Would, would you explain to everyone about that restriction you were referring to? Because then I have a story about that. Certainly. Um, under Medicare, um, the rules for a powered mobility device are that you must, for Medicare to provide a power chair you must need that power chair within the home. Um, If you can otherwise get around your home in either a manual chair or by utilizing a cane and walker, but you can't get around outside of your home uh, without a power wheelchair, then Medicare will not purchase that wheelchair for you. Um, And that's really limiting. Um, If we look at most individuals, they can get around the home um, by pushing around a manual wheelchair to some degree might be very tiring. It might be, in fact, exhausting for some people. But that's the standard that Medicare has set. If you can get around your home in any way, shape, or form without a power chair, then you're not eligible for that chair. We believe that that's an injustice. We believe that people, given the all of the programs that the government has put into place to help people with disabilities mainstream, things like employment, things like transportation, curb cuts, all of the things that help people and should encourage people to get out of the home, to get back into the workplace, to become active members of society, and all of those programs in place. And then there's the last restriction right now, which is if you need a powered mobility device and you don't need it within the home itself, then it's restricted from you. And it just seems so incongruous to me. Um, it seems like such a, a gap within the continuum of services that we're trying to, uh, we're desperately trying to work with Congress to change, to lift that restriction right now. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I have already been seeing this happen with many of my employees or friends of mine, because they are at home, Uh, they have, of course, as you mentioned, they use a powered wheelchair, but at home, whether they have MS or whatever it is that is the disability, some of them are able to, you know, use a manual wheelchair 
or a spinal cord injury, a manual wheelchair, very short distance. Mm-hmm. In other words, in the house, very, very short distance. But now because of that, they're not, they're not getting paid to get this powered wheelchair. And, I mean, I would equate that to, you know, as all of you know, my listeners, I mentioned to you that a few weeks ago I had an accident and I broke my leg. And so I use a walker. Well, if, without the walker, you know, I could probably go a little bit with this walking cast around in my office, very short distances, but I could never go a long distance without the walker. And to be honest with you, if it's an extremely long distance, I'd have to use the wheelchair. So, you know, to me, this is the most just ludicrous, terrible thing. I mean, and it is very, very unjust. And a question that I wanted to ask you is, who determines this? Who determines you can use it here so you don't get it outside? Who makes that decision? Well, in theory, your Medicare provider, your physician, will make that call. In most cases, because they don't want to be seen as the bad guy, um, many physicians will simply say they will write a prescription to a to a supplier who will then either provide you with an inadequate piece of equipment or he'll tell you that he can't get it reimbursed under Medicare, um, removing the physician from that loop. So it's important that individuals fight for, you know, we're going to lift, we're going to fight with uh, HHS to uh, the Health and Human Services to help lift that restriction, to work with Congress to help lift that restriction. But then we need people to become strong self-advocates um, getting out there, knowing what uh, what they need and what they're entitled to under uh, whatever benefit program they're they're trying to access, and um, it's very important that people are you know speak up for themselves. Um, certainly, with their own insurance companies, with Medicare, with Medicaid, any uh, any of these programs, it's important that you know exactly what you're entitled to under the program, and then being a strong self advocate. And we have information on our website about being a strong self advocate as well. Excellent. That is excellent, Paul. And if you're listening to the show, see, this is when you need to speak up. This is why I said we all need to work together. It's amazing how these things can come back to truthfully change your life and not in a good way. Um, Paul, you you obviously have been very successful in you know moving forward with your life, and as you said, you know the chair is just now part of what you use, uh, but. For people that have have an accident and newly acquired spinal cord injury, what would you say are some of the major hurdles that they're going to face at the beginning? Well, I think that any person that that sustains any sort of traumatic injury, whether it's a spinal cord injury or any other um, any sort of uh, injury that is not doesn't I can't speak for cognitive deficit. I've, I've fortunately not had deal with that, but any sort of mobility impairment, um, it's having such a traumatic event in one's life, it affects every aspect of that life. Um, they need to work with, with uh, their health care provider, to work with family and friends to get past um, emotional, um, get through the emotional adjustment, get through the family adjustment, making sure that your family is also comfortable with, uh, with your new situation if somebody has a new injury. Um, not that they're going to be uh, happy about it, but that they understand what the ramifications of of that injury might be. Um, it's only through everyone in the family, every part of that social network, 
understanding what uh, what's going on, that they'll be able to help you get past uh, whatever is going on with you right now. It's important that people really build up their own social networks. Right from the beginning. Absolutely, right from the beginning. Yeah, and, and then what do you do if you don't have that family support? Because unfortunately, as you well know, um, I have employees that uh, one who was in an automobile accident and and now has quadriplegia um, and after, and has two children and had been married for you know several years, but when his spouse realized he was not going to be able to walk again. She left him, and I know that you know that happens frequently. We, of course, uh, we hear those stories. Um, fortunately, I, I think that uh, in many, many cases, a lot of families do stay together following an injury. In fact, statistically, I don't think that divorce rate uh, following, an in, following an injury is any higher than the general population. Of course, in general population, is 50% right now. Um, but, but clearly, um, having a family... Uh, having family and friends and a social network um, available to you will always help. If you can't have that, if you don't have that for whatever reason, then building up that network. Again, I, I'm a strong advocate for getting out there, becoming involved with an organization, becoming at, involved in in volunteer activities, and essentially building up a family through those sort of um, networks, if you will. It's important and, that we get and out I, there. And I agree with you because, boy, the more people you meet, the more friends you have, the larger that network becomes. To me, the larger your family becomes. Absolutely. That isolation is really what I think feeds the, 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 de- the depression. Um, if, if following your injury you, or following any sort of uh, disability you choose to become a hermit, it makes it all that much harder to get out there and to, uh, to really live with, uh, with the, your new circumstances. I think it's important that you get out there, you find people who are of like mind, who are encouraging you and want you to succeed, and that will therefore help you to succeed. Well, Paul, you're doing so much in the really as an advocate in this area, but when we come back from break, I want to talk about something that is very important to me, and that is my advocacy is in the area of employment. And unfortunately, here we are, 2007, still talking about this over 60% unemployment rate for Americans with significant disabilities. And really, only just a few weeks ago at AAPD, at a meeting we had with, uh, you know, a group of leaders, we were talking about how can this still be? You know, why is this still like this? Well, I think that we, what we really have to do in the, is we have to knock down the few remaining physical barriers that there are to, to employment things such as access, of course, basic access, whether or not there's a one step getting into your place of employment, but also it's getting to and from work. It's making sure that there's accessible transportation in all of its forms that are available to people as well as attitudinal barriers that have to be brought down. Well, we'll talk about that more right after break. You have been listening to a national leader in the area of United Spinal Cord Injuries, and that is with the United Spinal Association, a national leader, a leader working to help Americans with disabilities move on and move up with their life. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Don't go away.
conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back. And you know, at break, Paul and I were talking about, as we all know, anytime you go to D.C. to any meeting right now, they're talking about one thing, which is, why do we still have this high unemployment rate for Americans with significant disabilities? And there are, of course, as Paul and I were saying at break, so many reasons, uh, you know, including access, transportation, but uh, training, having the proper training ahead of time. But, you know, that attitudinal barrier must come down. It really has to come down. And I guess the only way that's going to happen is I always say, we can't wait. We can't wait any longer for others to change, we have to be the change. We have to do whatever we can to network, to have the initiative, to get out there, to meet people, to make it happen. We have to be the change. One way you can do that is by being involved with groups like this, the United Spinal Association. And I'll tell you, Paul, we received many emails on this um, one question that I'm going to get to here in a second. And here we have... Here she is. Here's our friend from Washington, D.C. 
The question is, reintegrating, reintegrating wounded service members into our society is a major concern on the minds of many, many Americans today. Can you discuss for our listeners any efforts the United Spinal Association is engaged in relating to the reemployment or reintegration of wounded service members? Well, the United Spinal Association operates a Vets First program. It's one of uh, it's just our uh, legacy of veterans benefits uh, counseling and, and programs that we've been putting on for the last uh, 60 years. Uh, under our Vets program, Vets First program, um, we provide benefits counseling uh, to service members and their families on VA benefits that are available to them. Uh, things like vocational rehabilitation, um, employment services. Um, obtaining the necessary equipment and computer training that they might need um, to reenter the workforce. So we work uh, with the Department of Veterans Affairs as well as with state and county veterans uh, affairs, um, departments of veterans affairs to help service members get back into the workforce. Um, we want uh, our members to, to um, and the people that we represent under Vets First to make sure that they're um, really that they're cognizant of what benefits are available to them, and those benefits uh, for veterans might include things like making your home accessible so that you can get in and out of the home uh, on your way to work, on your way out into the society, having a vehicle so that that's adapted either through a, a van or uh, hand controls or whatever might be needed, um, making sure that your employer is versed in what specific things you might need as a reasonable accommodation to get to work. Uh, and then if any equipment or things of that nature are, are uh, necessary to help your employer um, get those, make sure that the employer is also getting the tax credits and those things that they uh, require um, to make uh, your employment accessible under reasonable accommodation. So our network of service officers provide those sort of uh, assistance, and uh, they help the uh, individual coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan or, quite frankly, somebody who was hurt uh, stateside and training on off-duty hours or or during off-duty hours will help any veteran uh, who needs assistance um, to get back into the workforce and to become active in society. And we believe so strongly in that. We do. Because, you know, um, I feel these young men and women going out, they're doing this for this country. When they come back to this country, we deserve to give them our best also. Well, so I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you're doing all of that. I, mean, I really like that, Paul, even that you're providing them training in new areas. Oh, we're trying. I mean, there are 12,000 12, Americans who have been injured, uh, traumatically injured uh, in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan that are coming back with significant disabilities. I mean, these are uh, young men and women who need the help and support of, uh, of organizations like United Spinal Association as well as their their communities and local employers to help get them back um, back in their communities, back active, so that they can uh, they can be part of our societies again. And um, you know, I think that we've learned a lot since Vietnam uh, about whether or not you agree or disagree with the war. That the individual uh, who's coming back um, with a disability, they've done what they did uh, on behalf of our country, and they should be honored for that. That is correct. I agree. We, I always tell people it's not about your view of the war. It's about the fact that there are young men and women that are going there really putting their life on the line for all of us. That's what it's about. So when, they, when, when they come back, 
they deserve our 100% support. I, I really do uh, feel that, and I feel that it's going to be really very big that we're going to have to help them because there are so many. I read that article in Newsweek magazine, how with this war, so many more are living, but that means we have more with disabilities coming back than ever before. That's absolutely true. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing with Iraq and Afghanistan, um, that is a problem that I think is uh, devastatingly underestimated, um, is the incidence of closed head injury and traumatic brain injury and that we will, and those things that we will see in terms of PTSD in years to come. Um, I think that, that those uh, individuals who are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan right now need to be screened um, much more uh, vigorously than they are right now. They've got to have access to the VA and to other services so that when and if the uh, symptomatology arises that they can be treated um, and it won't be held against them that for 10 years everything was you know, post-Iraq, uh, that they were fine, but some, some event sparked off an episode of PTSD, and then it's going to be held against them because they didn't mention it earlier. So I think that uh, I know that United Spinal Association and its first program has a lot of work to do to ensure that our service members have all of the access to the benefits that, they, uh, that they've earned. Oh, that's excellent. I, and I applaud you for that. Paul, you obviously, wow, I mean, your bio is so impressive. Academically, just everything that you've done, you have such an impressive background. You've accomplished so much. What, what is your proudest accomplishment? Well, I mean, it sounds kind of hokey, but honestly my proudest accomplishment is uh, that I've got a loving wife and son, and uh, my wife was pregnant when I was first injured, um, and we've been able to, uh, and I was injured only three weeks after we got married. So my, uh, my proudest accomplishment is being able to stay with my wife and my son, build a family. We have a, a, I've got a wonderful family that uh, helps support me every day in terms of uh, emotional support and, uh, and just helping up with those things that, uh, that we do every day. So my proudest accomplishment is honestly my family. Um, I'm, I'm so blessed with that. And that would be Lorraine and Connor. That's that's right. So kudos to them. They are uh, they are the rock upon which uh, I I support myself each day. So. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Paul, every guest we have on this show, we ask our guests to leave a message, a message they would like to send out to all of our listeners. And what would that message be from you? Well, the message that I would like to leave is that. Despite your circumstances, despite whatever life has thrown your way, that there is hope out there. Um, become active. Become a, um, a vocal advocate for yourself and for people who are in your similar situation, and uh, we can all make this world a better place for people with disabilities. And here we go. We end every show with a quote from a famous leader, and it's from Mark Zupan, the U.S. Paralympic quad rugby player, who said, be smart with what you do. Have fun. Life is not over when you break your neck. It's Chapter 2. And that is what it's all about. Paul, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Joyce. And all of my listeners, thank you for your support. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. This is Joyce Bender signing off where disability does matter on voiceamerica.com. See you next week.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. <laughs>